love it. How you doing, church? I had a feeling the second service on Daylight Savings Time was going to be a little fuller than the first one. Not that there wasn't great attendance in the first one, but we know we're, uh, who is committed now. I saw Anthony in the morning service. I thought they were having a baby right now. Did I miss something? Like back in the day when I got like a text saying like, hey, they're, in, they're having a baby. Like that means like you had a baby. Like They're still waiting? Is that what's going on? Okay. I partnered with my wife and we bore together four children. I still don't know what happens in that whole deal, by the way. I still don't. By child four, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But uh, Lord, we just pray for a blessing on that baby, that that baby would be a child of God, mighty and powerful, Lord, that that baby would, that the call of God on that child's life would turn the, a nation back to the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Hey, if, I, uh, if you, we haven't met, I'm Pastor Corey. Catch me in the lobby, uh, in between services. Just catch me and introduce yourself. We'd love to meet you. And Pastor Erin right there, she's the hot one. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. Kind of trapped myself there. The, um, come say, I'm like a cheetah in the lobby though. I, I move through quick, so. Um, but yeah, come, we'd love to meet you and love to meet your kids. Um, we have a baptism coming up on May the 1st. <laughs> baptism service, it's like my favorite services. Every service is my favorite service. Last service was my favorite service. This one, baptism services are seriously my favorite services. And some of you have made a private decision to, uh, to serve Jesus. But like once you get adopted into God's family, and can I say this? I felt like I need to say this. Just randomly believing about God is not the same thing as, as being adopted into God's family. You know, I can, I can like believe about Aaron uh, Edwards here and like I can believe that he exists and talk to him, but that doesn't mean that I'm part of his family. You know what I mean? And so uh, if you have any questions about baptism or what it means to formalize a relationship with Jesus, who is the doorway to God the Father, it's an adoption that happens. And when you accept Jesus to cover your sins, then an adoption happens and you're part of the family. What needs to happen next is that everybody else needs to know about it too. And that's called baptism. And some of us are like, well, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ready. I don't know if anybody's really ready in public to have somebody hold their heads underwater. <laughs> just, it's not a comfortable sort of thing, but it's a joyous sort of a thing. And you just need to go for it. And I think the best step is just obey now today and not quit worrying about like, well, I'm going to plan for God when he wants me to get baptized. And he's like, get baptized. So uh, if you have any questions about what that entails, or you just need to, you want, you don't know about how to create that relationship with Jesus. Hey, we are, that's what we exist for. So, um, Hey, we started our giving with, uh, for Ukraine for, uh, just medical supplies and food. We started with $4,000. We've given another 4,000. Thanks to you guys last week. So, they're not alone. We love them. I'm a little mad at Sean. Sean's like my friend and my accountability partner because he went and got a dog. I'm trying to think if I hate him now or like him still because some of my family wants a dog. I've decided that if you have a dog, that's not a bad thing. It's bad for you, but it's not bad for me because I don't have to clean up after. My kids can go over there and come back and be happy. <laughs> I don't want to take your dog, by the way. Um, 
they're going away and we've already committed to taking their dog in the meantime. So, um, was last week uh, good with, with Pastor Jono? I, I felt like that was a, like a heart week and um, we just need those heart week uh, moments, you know, and uh, we just appreciate uh, Evolve Church for lending us Pastor Jono for the week and it's good. We just need those heart moments. Um, Jono's kind of, I could go with the Pastor Jono hug right now. He made our LED wall look small. That's how big he was, man. Um, anyways, I just thought that that was great. It's prepared the foundation for this sermon um, in our series, How Family Works. This sermon is called The Safety Reflex, um, aka Stop It, You're Already Loved. I thought that was funny. Thanks, Sean. The Safety Reflex. Last week, God told you who you are. And that you belong. And so let's go do some family work today and uh, get a little bit closer to the family of God and, and to our own families. Here's what I love about Venue Church. And um, I just love the atmosphere here um, because you, you will never be more loved than you were before you got here. And I hope that you could feel that. Like there's nothing you can do that would make you more loved by us or by God. And isn't that kind of a beautiful thing? So let's just settle it. Like just calm down and settle it. You belong you are loved. You don't have to believe everything that we believe yet. Like, just belong and take the journey with us. That's all that we want to do with you. And, and um, But as we talk about families, you know, I was thinking about this. Everybody thinks that their family is normal until you go to somebody else's house, right? And you're like seven and you go to your friend's house and you're like, oh. Um, I grew up in a fairly healthy family, which is maybe more than, than, than you would just, you know, it's not the way you would describe your family. And I went over to, um, actually my dad's worship leader at the time in his church. Um, and, and we'd had a relationship with him forever. And I was a young man, maybe 18 or 19 and she had teenagers and I was there and, and one of her teenagers, I think we were just having a cup of coffee or I can't remember what it was. And, and her teenager, um, was in the living room and uh, got a, have you ever had like a, a foot cramp or a leg cramp or something like that? You know, a thing that kind of panics you and freaks you out. And so she got this, but, but I wasn't prepared for this next part because she went from like zero to hundred miles an hour um, real quick. And in our home, you never got to hundred miles an hour because dad would just be like. <laughs> so uh, moms, do you know like when your kid goes from like sad crying and hurt crying to like, I'm really mad at everybody and I wish everybody else would die? crying yeah we weren't allowed to do that in the home growing up it was just like yeah no you don't wish everybody else was dead um but she went straight to this place here now the funny thing about this is that 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 i thought to myself i'm watching her because her mom goes over and tries to help her and then she starts screaming at her mom and i'm sitting there like with my eyes going wide like what is, is this normal here and i'm thinking i'm the pastor's son and if you're gonna fake it around anybody so you don't get extra counseling. You're gonna fake it around me, right? I'm like, this is her best bait. Like, you know, and, and where you come from and what it looks like now doesn't have to be what it looks like tomorrow. So you belong, relax, but let's learn how to act like family acts and family with a great God uh, actually acts with each other. You know, my parents, they, we grew up in a healthy home, but they didn't necessarily grow up in healthy homes. God turned it around in their story. And God wants to turn it around in, in your story. My mom, she was babysitting one of uh, her sisters. And her, her other sister took a darning needle and stuck it in the head right there, right behind the ear. Stuck it all the way in to her other sister's head. And my mom is like young and has to like, 
Young ladies, is that what you take? You take courses about babysitting? What do you do when somebody sticks a darning needle in somebody's head? What do you do? You pull it out, and if they don't start twitching, just like, don't say anything to death. Like, don't bring it up, right? My mom came from a, a, a volatile home. Like, his grandpa was Irish. Do I need to say any more? If you, some of y'all aren't Irish, so it's like, high highs and low lows and back and back and like eggshells and nobody knows what you're going to be feeling and like what, what's grandpa going to be feeling you know like she'd be like what's dad going to be like today is he going to be mad is he going to be happy is he going to be you know and um she came from this really volatile home and then she married into my dad's home which was kind of more stable uh, my dad was my dad himself have you ever like tried to get a rise out of pastor richard like it cannot be done <laughs> you could like be yelling and screaming and he would just sit there and think about something else you know uh, he's so calm and my mom you know, she came from this really unhealthy home into Dan. I'll tell you, dad's home, you know, maybe wasn't all that healthy either, but she came into this and then they were newly married and she'd be like slamming cupboard doors and freaking out. And, and my dad would just sit there at the kitchen table. And my mom's like, it's used to make me even madder. Cause he just wouldn't get mad. And he would be like, I guess I got to get my tools and fix the doors. And I don't know why you do that. You ever have anybody who's calm around you when you're freaking out and they're like, I don't know why you do that. It isn't like, then you just like. My dad's mom, um, they had nine kids in their family and uh, my grandpa was sick. And so my grandma had to kind of rule that house and they were cooks. So that's a whole thing, <laughs> a whole other thing. And uh, they were like um, farmers and homesteaders, right? So they were just trying not to die every winter. So they didn't have all the time that you have for like your drama. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like some of y'all are just worried about like, oh, can you believe what she said about that? And like, you don't have time for that when you're like, shoveling crap in the barn you know what i'm talking about come on somebody god will make you a farmer if you don't laugh right now then you'll know then you'll appreciate me not that not that i'm a farmer um, and so my mom was driving with my um my dad's little brother and sister and they were like very much younger my mom was married at this time and was sitting between them in a car and grandma was in the front seat so so junior high brent and connie are fighting across my mom and my grandma said something to them like, hey, stop it. And then like, hey, stop it. And by the time, the third time she just reached around and smacked them all. And my mom is a married woman sitting there like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, this is dad's home. It's Old Testament, man. Spare not the rod for thy children. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, Beth. I forgot you were back there. You know, like, oh, damn, things got awkward. What are you going to do? Report my grandma? My grandma was great. Um, she's a little off, though. But the, <laughs> you know what? But their, their story, no matter what your story is right now, it doesn't have to be your story tomorrow. It really doesn't. Now, it's, it, it's going to be your story tomorrow. If you keep doing something called the safety reflex that I'm going to preach about today, um, that kind of keeps putting you and bouncing you back into your family of origin and how you responded to things. Now, um, God doesn't think that you need a safety net, an emotional safety net. I'm going to talk about emotions. Like, I'm not like the most emotionally whatever. You know, Amy, is Amy in here? Amy Fair? She asked me one time, she goes, Pastor, how's your heart? And I'm like, pumping blood. Like, it's all good. Like, if it wasn't like, you would know, right? I think I would think that if your heart stops, like, oh, it's his heart. His heart's not good. Um, which is last week, you know, with Pastor John, it was so great. Because I'm, like I'm more of like a surgeon, if I could be honest. I love you, and how I show you I love you is like, you're holding the sword wrong! 
You're gonna get, you're gonna die tomorrow. That's not how you do it. I feel like this isn't the only group here that's receiving all of this right now. The family takes all sorts, everybody. Pastor Emil, she's a therapist. She'll teach you how to walk again. Um, God doesn't think you need an emotional safety net that you install. Because when we grow up, we, we create these safety nets that we install and we find the materials and we patch it together with like old couches and you know what I mean? Like you don't you, to create your own emotional safety net that, that I'm calling the safety reflex that I'm calling like a panic button that you create so that you feel safe. But God doesn't think that you need one that you created. In fact, he thinks that you, the only safety net you need is him and his people. That's all that. And if you would just give up our safety net and our safety reflex. So let me, let me talk about this a little bit. Um, I learned this in small group from, uh, from Chad Ferguson today. He was talking about, um, they did an experiment with rats and cocaine. Oh yeah, now you're interested. Now you're going to give me feedback. I asked Aaron, like, can I, I asked Pastor Aaron, can I share a story about like rats and cocaine? She's like, no, oh my goodness. I'm like, it's from Chad. And she's like, double no. Like, hey, if you knew Chad's story, you'd be like, oh, you just relax a little bit. Um, Cause we still love Chad. I love you, by the way. You're weird, but I love you. Hey, and if God can save him, like literally just stop worrying about it. This is what he said. This is what he said. Um, and it comes from this, from this quote. Um, by Johan Hari, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, is connection. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. You know, when I try to lead somebody to Jesus, I, what I'm not saying is like, hey, come and serve this brand new God. What I'm saying is stop serving this thing that you're already doing. Stop being addicted to this behavior that you're already doing and taking all this time and energy doing. It's the wrong thing. Take that addiction and move it to something that's a good thing. To the best God. Not to this other thing that doesn't keep promises and makes you and hurts you and takes from you. And No, to this God. God says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of good, not of evil. Give you a future. Give you a hope. This one. You know, and so... So, but that's an interesting quote. The, the solution to addiction, the solution to sin, the solution to the safety net is not, not doing that. It's taking that and doing this, right? And so, um, and so they did an experiment. So they put a rat in a, I don't know, whatever rats go in. And they gave a rat a button that the rat could push that releases cocaine. So the rat by themselves... If you guys don't know what cocaine is down here, talk to your parents. The, am I allowed to talk about this in church? I guess I started the church. What are you going to do, right? The, um, I told somebody in the first service, I'm like, this church is so amazing. Like, whew, I wish I could get a job here, but, but I do have one because I started it. Now, I don't know if I could anymore. Um, so they, he did, this rat would just, when the rats were by themselves, they just keep hitting the, the self-medicate button. They just, the safety reflex button. They just kept hitting this by themselves. But when they threw a bunch of other rats in the room, uh, or whatever, um, the rats, the rat would, would not hit the button nearly as many times, like way, 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 way down. And so the solution to addiction might be connection. Now, let's connect God with you. See, you have a safety reflex that's a make me feel better button. Like, make me feel safe. When I'm in this scenario, I always hit the safety reflex button that... Um, it's a safety net for some, it's a safety 
parachute for others. Um, it's a safety like I'm sharpening my knives at the kitchen table and staring at my teenager. Come on, don't act like I don't know. We have cameras everywhere. The, you know what Pastor Aaron does? Freaks Katie out. She sits there and eats and stares at Katie unblinkingly, just like, and eats. And Katie's fine, like, Mom, stop staring at me! It's freaking me out. We do that sometimes, you know, like that thing that you like, that look that you shoot somebody when they, um, here, here. Is it possible for God to remove your safety reflex? You know, that thing that makes you weird when you feel unsafe? Like you look normal until that button gets pushed and then, oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to tell you my safety reflex today in a minute. Safety reflexes are weird. They just, uh, they, they freak us all out. Um, see, as long as you have a safety reflex, um, the devil can put a gun to your head and, and take you hostage and make you do things and say things and feel things. What if God could take away that safety reflex so that you're not taken hostage anymore and you can go back to your people? Because he wants to take you hostage and isolate you to this other place and use you to leverage his work in the world. But what if God actually could take that gun away from your head? You know, some of us, here's our safety. We're, we're afraid of nobody's going to take us seriously. We're afraid, uh, some, of, some of you, we're, you're afraid that nobody's going to see you. Like the room's full of people and some people are noticed and nobody notices. Nobody, or, or like nobody hears you. You've been speaking your whole life and nobody's heard what you're saying. Nobody's trying to see you and get what's going on inside of you. Um, some of us, we're just afraid of loneliness. You know, there's just this huge thing in our lives that we're just, that's our safety. We, we fear loneliness and then we date another not great person just to feel, come on. Like we just, it's a safety thing, right? It's, it's um, some of us, we don't like pain. We don't like pain and we medicate and we, um, some of us we're here's what we're afraid of intimacy. As soon as somebody starts getting close and you start taking your mask off in small group and then you're just like, and then I like, uh, I need to work late next Wednesday night. Like I'm too busy. I, uh, or that group is judgmental. I'm like, look, our small groups aren't even allowed to be judgmental. So we know that it's not that. And there's probably people that are worse than you. <laughs> And if you're in chats, you're definitely people there that are listening. And so, but there's this like panic button. There's like pull, shoot. Like, oh my goodness, it's too close. Oh my, um, a, a fear of failure. Uh, here's, here's, I was praying for somebody last week at the altar and I'm like, you're not your dad. You're not your dad. Stop being afraid of that. Because when you're afraid of that, it might, it's the only thing that could turn you there is to be afraid of going there. You know, like. Stop. I said, I prayed over another person, a sister of mine in the Lord. I'm just like, God is not afraid of the mess. He's not afraid of it. Just bring the broken toy. Don't sit there and try to work on it in your room. And like, I can't do this. You're trying to glue stuff with like spaghetti. It doesn't glue. It's not glue. God's like, bring it to dad. Just bring that. My daughters would freak out about broken. I'm just like, bring it to dad. And if the toys made noise, I would be like, it, they're broken, honey. They don't work anymore. <laughs> We're going to get to the quiet toy. We had one toy in our home that uh, it played the Godfather theme song. That's real weird for like a, a three-year-old's keyboard. 
And one time I come out and it's like 3 a.m. and this keyboard is like going great guns with the Godfather. And I'm like, I cast the out and I put it on the back deck in minus 20 and it played the Godfather music very slowly, which is even creepier until it died. Like, <laughs> felt like a clown movie or something. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about your safety reflex. The enemy, or even in your family of origin, your weaknesses, your safety reflex, it, it, it's all about your weaknesses. Your weaknesses might have been exploited and used against you. You know, like, like when somebody like called you fat so that they could feel better about, so that they, right? Or, or in your company, like it's just like dog eat dog and like they're just climbing on top of you. Okay, God's family is not that. God's family is like people getting behind you and like, hey, you could do this thing. Like, hey, we love you. This is great. I'm so glad this is going well. You know, like it's, it's but our weaknesses are exploited. Now the safety reflex, what, when we hit that Medicaid button, what, what happens with our weaknesses and, and, and we know now, Venue, that, that you don't connect with people in your strength. You actually connect in your weakness. You might impress them with your strength, but that's not where you connect. You know, you know what a weak statement is? Like, I get panicky sometimes. I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. It endears you to people. It connects you to people. It's like, I don't know why I do everything backwards. Like, everything that I do, I'm, if I set this LED wall up, I would do it backwards. Because my brain doesn't work like that. You know, it's just these, these it's the connections. It's the, now, um, your safety reflex. See, God has you in this family, Venue Church, so that he can cover your weaknesses. But your safety reflex, ready? When you hit it, it covers your weaknesses up. And there is all the difference in the world there. You'll spend your whole life hitting the panic button to cover your weakness so nobody can exploit it and use it against you. But the devil puts a gun to your head, makes you a hostage, and then makes you do a bunch of stuff that while you're doing it, you're like, oh, I said, I'm saying the things to my seven-year-old. You know, it's like, it's a, I'm spending money again because I, you know, while you're doing it, you can't seem to stop doing it. Well, what if today you got prayed for and God took the button and he's like, I'll take that. It's kind of broken anyways. It's just dispensing weird stuff that's making you crazy. Um, there are some things that I don't do well. I know this is a massive shot. Well, he's look shocked a little bit, like seriously. Like I, I can, it's dark, but I can still sense your hostility. And, you know what I'm not good at? You know, okay, well, here's one thing I would be good at. If zombies attack this room right now, I would be amazing. If you follow me, I already know what to do. I've thought about it. All we need is one slow person. Now, <laughs> Chad's not slow. <laughs> We'd have to cripple him. The <laughs> if you're new to church, by the, by the way, and you don't like this, there's other churches. <laughs> <laughs> it's my coping mechanism. Um, <laughs> now, here's the deal. You know what panics me? If you bring, say the word schedule... Uh, Cassie was sitting right over there in the first service and in the early days of the church plant she would be like pastor we got to talk about scheduling I've repented to this I would fake phone calls I'd be like Bloop. 
oh, I, let me just, and then I walk away. I would be like, hey, I just need to go talk to Layden right now because he's fun. And I'll be like, and I'll be like, I'm coming right back. And I never did. I never went back so many times. There's something about it that's just like all the names and lines and times. And like, I just like, Woo! then I start freaking out. So if you take only one thing home, like if it's the zombie attack, follow me. If it requires scheduling, we're all going to die. So, <laughs> how do I know that a zombie attack? I don't know. I haven't thought that far up. <laughs> Again, if you don't like this, there's other churches for you. Um, so I walked into my wife's office today because I wanted to talk about just kind of our, am I allowed to talk about our yeah. safety reflex buttons? Some people are always like, you're always on Aaron's team emotionally because whatever. <laughs> so am I, but I already, I told her one time, if you ever leave, I'm going with you. The, <laughs> so I get it. She's the favorite. Like I get it. You know, when you set an entire congregation to, up to be like, no, you're the favorite pastor and they don't do it. Cause I'm going to talk about my safety reflex in a minute now too. And you're going to know why I hurt the way that I do. Whatever. The, so I, I talked to her and people are like, Oh, you know, pastor always tells stories. I don't, I always ask her permission, but here's what she doesn't want. She's like, Oh, I don't care. Like, I would rather like somebody tell my story and me tell my story than to have somebody else live in the pain that I lived in all that time. I, like, um, so I walked into her office and because I'm me, I sat down and her, she's got a couch and I don't have a couch and I'm a little bitter about that. I realized Anyways, it's not about the couch. I walked in and sat on the couch and I said, to, I said to her, let's talk about your rejection issues. <laughs> just cause it's funny when I say stuff like that. And so she's like, oh, here we go. So I asked her about it. I'm just like, well, what's it like that issue? Cause I'm going to show you my issue in a second here. That, that panic button, her rejection. She said the fear of never being good enough, never being enough, you know? And for years in our marriage, it was this weird thing that I don't get cause I don't have that button. And so this rejection is, she goes, well, she says, you build a wall, um, you're afraid of rejection, so you build a wall, and now you're afraid of it even more because you're on the side of the wall, right? And for years, I'm like, yeah, that would explain a lot, because for years, I'm like, why can't we just deal with like an issue? But when you have a wall between you that you're already feeling rejected, that you build, it be, it's weird. You know, you're afraid to like... Get out there because you're afraid that somebody might reject you, but you build a wall, which is rejection. You're almost rejecting you and you don't even give the other person an opportunity for yourself. Just like, just let me like, cause in my family, that just wasn't our trigger, you know? And so what happens if you have a rejection issue button and, and some of you, it's your button is different. So you don't get it, but your button will panic you. So when you have a rejection wall, what happens is an issue has, has to be in, in your court or in my court, right? Does that make sense? So, so for, for years, she would be in this like weird, like I have issues and they're all mine. And so she, I wrote this down. It, this is what I was feeling like. She goes into this shame spiral. That's like, I'm a horrible loser and nobody loves me. And she would say things that I'm like, what are you talking about? I just want to talk about why the boxes are stacked in the hallway. You know, like I don't, or what, what the, what a rejection wall is, is like the issues on the other person is like, you're a horrible loser and I hate you. You know, and that's weird. So it's like a suicide or a homicide. And God's like, it doesn't really have to be either. They're just boxes, you know, like, and so what if you would, if, if God would tear the wall down today so that you could be like, Hey, let's just talk about the boxes and the issue is here. And we're going to gang up against the issue. So we don't have to have the same fight tomorrow. Like, let's just figure this out. 
right? So let me talk about, about mine. You know, the reason during our, our, um, during our grand opening that I got emotional when Pastor John, oh, this is what he prayed. I was watching that. You can watch the grand opening video. I think that you should just so you know where Venue Church is going and what God is doing. Um, so my safety reflex is betrayal. And if you'd see me, you wouldn't guess that. But it's, it's betrayal. So he's, this is what he prayed over me. Stop holding your breath. And I started like, why? Because my entire life is me holding my breath. I came from a great family. But, you know, you're not afraid of something that you haven't experienced a lot of, right? So, so betrayal. Like a, a deep-rooted fear of betrayal. He said, you know, you, stop waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like for all this to go away that God is doing. Stop. He said, the curse is lifted. Yeah. I'm getting all choked up. I'm like, thank you. But it triggers something deep inside of you. That's a safety mechanism that's like, you know, like even now, like it. And so God takes somebody with a safety reflex of like fear of betrayal and makes him a pastor. <laughs> don't laugh like you don't know what I'm talking about, church people. I told somebody the other day, if I do my job perfectly and do everything that God tells me to do and say everything that God tells me to say and help people in the best, not the best I could do. If I was Jesus, I would still get betrayed by people. I'm like, that's difficult for somebody with this button. And God gave me this and God maybe put you in a relationship or gave you the job that you have because it puts you in proximity to that button. So that, cause if he's not Lord of it, maybe he's not Lord of all yet. And maybe if I've got a safety net that's not him, maybe that's not good. And um, you want to hear about some of that? I'm going to share some of that. Can I share? Am I allowed to like talk candidly about some of the betrayals that pastors go through? Here's one. We, uh, we have great kid spaces. And so what we try to do, like, look, I know it takes time to customize kids to services and new places. But we have great kid space over there. And the venue moms are like, oh, sweetheart, you can't even praise God with your kids hanging off of you. Like, let's get you free let's get them in so that they can start creating those relationships start creating a relationship with god for themselves which they are going to need because shocker when they're 15 they don't care what you think anymore and they're going to care what god thinks and what their youth leaders think i'm just saying get your kiss of youth now now we have somebody who's ushering that one day look in unchurched people i'll go down to hell for you and back i will put up with anything i'll go anywhere i'll but church people Y'all got problems. We had a church guy come in and visit us. It was like, I'm bringing my sick kids into this auditorium during a sermon. And we're like, um, but like you're, they're screaming. You know, like you wouldn't do that in a Christmas play. An unchurched person would never do that. But a church person like, these are my kids. I'm going to do whatever I want. And God's like, whose kids? <laughs> and it all, maybe if your brother was here and doesn't get saved because your kid is screaming, maybe you'll feel a little differently. Right. And so we try to create this space and I'm like, well, you can watch it in the lobby. You can do it here. You could, you know, so we had these, you know, moms coming like, Hey, let's try to, you know, like just very kindly, like, Hey, let's, this doesn't work for everybody. You know, we're just trying to be a family here. It can be a little about you, but not everything it's about. And so we did this. And then I started getting my phone blows up that night from this usher who's like, doesn't Jesus love children? And why does venue church hate children? And like a whole book. First of all, if you send me a book full of texts, I don't read them. Like I have a very short attention span. I tried to call him. He wouldn't pick up his phone. He leaves the church. They leave the church. The family leaves the church in a church plan. 
because I hate children. I'm trying to populate, I have four kids, I'm trying to populate the earth with children. I'm like, yeah, but Jesus loves, yeah, that's why we created this space and that's why we're trying to, that's why we think about this way. <laughs> In the summer, I get a text later. Hey, I hear that this kind of a sinner is going to venue now. Like, cause is that cool? I'm like, yeah, it's cool that sinners go to church. Because we never turned you away, and so oh, this all happened in my head at two in the morning, you know. You want to hear some other stories? Yeah, you love it. I opened up my budget on a pastor's salary in the early days to some friends of ours in the church, and they saw that we gave we give at least ten percent away. We give more than that because we think that adoption costs money. And God blesses what we, it's a tenth, it's, a, it's called the tithe, and we give that to God, and they saw that, and they were feeling guilty because they never, they didn't give a tenth to God, and they were feeling guilty about that, so they left the church, and here's what I heard via the grapevine, that they said, we left the church because we're tired of paying for Corey's kids. And my kids were little, and I'm like, my kids gave more than you gave last year on two salaries and paid for your kids. I'm like, do you not know what it cost us to come here and plant? Everybody who moved here cost them an extra hundred grand for a house. The same house. Come on, Gibsons. I'm like, do you not just trying to help just because I actually opened up and was vulnerable and then they saw this and then they get mad at me because they're not. Fear of betrayal. Ready? I need to get into my scripture here. You want one more? I had somebody who came and planted the church with us and played on stage. And then their family started falling apart. And this guy I knew, he was from my father's church. So my, my, my parents led him to Christ. His family. I was there when he gave up custody of his kid, when he got custody of his kid back. I was there. We were there. We were... Family starts falling apart. Marriage starts falling apart. We're there. I'm like in there. Like there's no winning in there, guys. I'm in there. Like, no, we got to deal with, we got to, we got to. Leaves the church by text. By text. And then months later, post playing on a worship hymn in another church. I'm so glad that I don't go to a fake church with fake friends anymore. And I'm like, those are the funny ones, guys. Come on, laugh at you, church. <laughs> Those are the funny ones. Why would God put me in this fear of betrayal? Every time I get a text that says, do you want to go for coffee? My first thought is they're leaving. They've used me and now they're, they're leaving. And they're probably mad at me. You didn't know that, did you? The last time I got a text saying, can we go for coffee? You know what happened? Guy in the first service writes a, uh, a huge check to the church. And he's like, I love it here. I love this church, man. This church saved my, saved my life. And I'm like, <laughs> and God's like, you idiot. <laughs> You're sitting here your entire life worried about something. It might never, and if it does, I'm still, and you still, and <sighs> we're going to take part of that check. And we, we think this is what we're doing. Throw a huge VBS here, like vacation Bible school in the summer and like blow it up and get a bunch of kids in. That's what we think we're doing. We think that. Mark chapter uh, three. Jesus went into the synagogue, went into church and noticed a man with a deformed hand. So this guy's got this deformed hand and, and you don't, 
you tend to hide that, right? So he has a deformed hand. Um, he goes in it. So you might come in here with an obvious deformity and you come in here and you're like, everybody seems to have it all together, which is totally not true. And, um, and since it was the Sabbath, uh, or it was Saturday, that was, used to be the Sabbath. Our Sabbath now is kind of Sunday. Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Now you're like, Jesus' enemies were in church? Oh, you, have, you don't know church people. <laughs> all right. So listen, your safety reflex makes enemies in your own home. Right? Watch. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Because God rested on the Sabbath. And, and if you heal somebody, then you're working and you're obviously not working for God. Jesus said to the man with the deformed uh, hand, and this is the part we don't like, uh, come and stand in front of everybody. So this is where you're like, you've got this weird uh, hunchback. And you're like, Quasimodo, that thing that you hope nobody points out in public, and you're just, God, Jesus is like, hey, yeah, you, right there, the one with the hunchback. Come and stand in front of everybody. You with the addiction, come stand up here on stage in front of everybody. We don't know. See, you're used to getting exploited. You're used to getting that used against you. But Jesus never reveals what he isn't planning to heal. But he can't heal what you won't. Watch, watch. Then he turned to his critics and said, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. This is the gimme question. Like Eric, does God want to save life or kill people on, on Sundays? Dead silence. You don't need to think about that one, guys. But your safety reflex puts time in between listening and obeying we start filtering stuff and you're just like, well, new deal. what's in this for me? What, where's my, man, this is a no brainer. Of course God wants to save life, but your family of origin tells you that's not what's going to happen. He looked around at them angrily. We don't see Jesus get angry or sad all that often, but he gets both right now. He's deeply saddened by their, ready? Their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand right here in front of everybody. Hold out your hand. And the man was restored. He held his hand out and it was restored. Can I say this? I, I feel like I need to say this to this group. It's time to stretch out your hand. You haven't stretched out your hand since it was injured. And it's time to stretch out your hand again. It's going to hurt. Jesus grabs a crippled man and or the disciples that grabbed his and pulled him to his feet and said, rise and walk. You don't think that's going to hurt? Stretch out your hand again. It's not used to operating. Stretch out your heart again. You're not used to feeling. Everybody else can feel, but not you. Why not you? You're God's son. You're God's daughter. Why not you? Why can't you have a whole hand? Why can't you have a family that works? Why can't you have a heart that's... I mean, yeah, we all walk with a limp, but why can't God heal you and fix you and make be more than enough for you? You've got to stretch that hand out. It's going to... You know what? Here's the sad thing about this. One man gets healed that day. But every single person in church that day was broken. And only one man got healed. Everybody in church that day, hidden behind the cloaks of religion, had something that was sick and diseased and an addiction, had a hard heart. If you grow up in church, man, you are susceptible to a hard heart where you start thinking that your sins are better than somebody else's sins. And then you judge somebody who can't kick smoking because you did 50 years ago. 
So you judge somebody who comes in just trying to stay clean for one more day and you're just like, why don't they? Yeah, well, they didn't grow up with what you had. You come in and you get this hard heart. You start looking across and judging. Why do they do this? Why do they do that? I'm like, man, if you were just busy finding people with deformed hands and bringing them to church, like Layton invited a guy with a deformed hand one and his whole family got baptized. He's like, what's it like having that thing? Sounds weird, but that's what he did. Here's what I want to say. I'm going to give you an opportunity this song. I feel like the Holy Spirit's just be like, would you just stretch your hand out when you know the time in the song and just stretch your hand out? Because if you won't stretch it out, God can't heal it. If you're, if you're, you're, it cripples around that safety reflex button. But God wants to take that away from you so that you never have to push that button again. And you can find all of your safety and all your intimacy in God because you already belong.